Welcome in the Buddy Listen, presented by Nebraska Furniture Mart. We have a very, very special guest. Brian, I don't want to say your last name wrong. Is it Sizik? It's Sizik. Sizik. Yep. Brian Sizik. Yep. Former, Sizik. Former, is that right? Former? Yeah. Okay. Former Army Ranger, one of Sherm's buddies. You guys will have to tell me how you met. But part of the E3 deal now and... Uh, Tell us, obviously, what you're what you're doing with E3 right now. Yeah, and I, actually, it's kind of funny that you uh, you said Sizik uh, because uh, a buddy of mine, Ben Gatros, yeah, former uh, um, HSI special agent, we've been buddies for a long time. Um, and uh, Ben calls me the other day. Like I said, we've been buddies for a while. Like I consider him a close friend. Uh, uh, and a lot we, of things together, and we work together yeah. now uh, doing Quite the kind of human trafficking work. I mean, we work together daily and do operations and. I mean, we're on the phone every single day. And uh, a few days ago, actually, when I was on that Mexico op, he calls me to check in. And uh, he, uh, he was telling me a story how he introduced me to somebody. He said, yeah, this is my buddy, Brian Sizek. And I, I stopped Ben and I said, Ben, what did you just say? And he was like, oh, I was just telling you, I was introducing you to this. I can't remember who it was. And I was like, no, my last name. He's like, Sizek. I said, Ben, that, that is not my name. He's like, what, what do you, you know, Ben is, yeah. he's like, he's like, well, what do you mean, kind sir? What do you, what, what's, yeah. what do you mean? And I was like, we've known each other for years and we're like really good friends. My last name is Sizek. And, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> you can see it. Though. I can relate to it because Garrig, like nobody ever says it right. Yeah. So yeah. Dieter, Dieter. You know, it's funny. We've got guys out at the ranch, um, like that come out a lot, like, um, Calliot, yeah, our, our duck hunting guide. I think his actual name is Colette. It's Colette. It's Colette. That's his actual. I found that out yesterday, and I've known him for three years. Oh, there's a guy in the uh, college football team that he was uh, Robert McLean, and everyone called him Reggie. And I thought for the first two two and a half years of being in college, his name was Reggie. <laughs> I didn't know until someone was like Robert. I'm like, who the hell are you talking about? Yeah, They're like McLean. I'm like, I thought his name was Reggie. They're like, no, that's his nickname. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever you go by, I guess. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Like, yeah. you say Reggie and he answers Reggie, like, you think his name's Reggie. Yeah. 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 Like, the whole. I just why I just say Brian. Make, so, leave it super yeah, easy. Make it easy. So, I'll answer to anything. But it's funny when you said that. It reminded me, it just happened a few days ago. Uh, again, a close buddy of mine. Well, I apologize for no. pronouncing wrong. It's like the Kelsey Kels. Remember that saga like two years ago? Three oh, years ago? yeah. Which I think he's bullshitting. With what? Because he was saying, like, his name's Travis Kelsey. He was saying it's pronounced Kels. It's still spelled the same, but the way you pronounce it's Kels. You just got to ask Mama Kels. Well, it seems like she goes by Kelsey. Well, I don't know. I don't care really who, what they go by. I mean, I it's, it's Killer Trav. It's a name, right? It, yeah, it's just a name. Killer Trav. We know who it is. Yeah, like, say. everyone knows who it is. Like, it doesn't matter <clears throat> Who it is? I mean, I wonder what you know. Maybe Taylor said calls him last name when she introduces him to people. Have you got to meet Taylor yet? No, I, I don't care to meet Taylor. You just brought her up, so you care. I know. Yeah, I, just, you, I didn't know. I'm do. saying maybe we can figure it out that way. Like you know, it's funny when uh, when James uh, when Winchester came out to the ranch uh, a few weeks ago, or I guess it was the November hunt. He uh, he made quite a deal about it. Oh, he's a I big got, fan. Oh, I can tell. Fan, yeah. I mean, he tried to brush it off, he's but you could tell. Oh, big Swifty. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. His wife is. Yeah, he's he's all about the Swifts. Yeah. But what made it worse um, is uh, a buddy of ours, uh, one of my partners, Blaine Boyer, um, played professional baseball for for a while. Adam says that he's a, he played um, 
he was a uh, professional BP thrower. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know some guys like that. Uh, anyway, Blaine Blaine asked when, like, he was all about hearing about Taylor Swift. So yeah. Blaine kept stroking that fire, and I we found out very quickly that uh, that Blaine was a uh, a Swifty through and through. We I feel like we've done a pretty good job of uh, not talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we don't really care. No, I don't. I mean, yeah, good for Dick Kells. Like whoever he dates, or like whatever. Like I don't really like. It doesn't affect. I just don't like when it keeps coming on the TV. Yeah. Like I'd rather see a shot of like Arrowhead going crazy when they for score sure. than and, just and her. her. Yeah, you know what I mean. Hey, whatever, uh, whatever helps the viewership. You know, you know, well, money. I've got a, yeah. I've got eleven year old twin girls, identical twin girls, Swift, and Swifties. Um, oh yeah, so I hear a lot about it. I was actually at the game the uh, when they played the Bears. Uh, I took Henry, my yeah. eight-year-old, and uh, that was, the, I guess, the first game that she was at. And so, yeah, my uh, my kids started blowing me up. The twins started blowing me up. I feel like that was, like, the last good or, like, big game Kelsey had was, like, the Bears game. Yeah, he and he played well. Listen, I might I might be onto something here. What do we think? Just different different element when it comes to playoffs? Maybe he's just kind of – Keeping it easy right now, like I mean, let people think he he let, lost a step or what? I don't know. I feel like uh, I mean, you want to talk about it? I mean, I'm just I'm just gonna say it now. I mean, maybe are you a Chiefs fan? I am. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, I'm watching it and I'm like, he's. It seems like he's lost a step. I think it's fair to say that. I think I don't know. He definitely wouldn't admit it, but I think he's lost a step. And I feel like uh, Coach Reed has to evolve with how his like how he's aging with Kelsey. So he's still having him do like all like the shakes and like try to get like, Hey, listen, I'm, I, I mean that I, I saw the only reason I thought of this, it was like two, three days ago. Cause I, somebody posted Gronk like highlight tapes, all time Gronk highlight tape. And I was like, man, like that's how Kelsey should probably start being used. Like seam routes, big body, run a slant, like not this. <laughs> Cause it's not working anymore. I'm just saying, maybe it's a, uh, but it did for facade. years. Maybe it's it did for years, but hey, like, maybe it's maybe the playoffs dude, different. I mean, maybe yeah, they come out. 100%. Maybe he's. What I'm saying, like this dude's been in the league for like 13 years. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to do like the same moves for 13 years. Yeah, no, I couldn't. Nope. But hey, we'll see how. I mean, we'll see what happens. They gotta. I just like the fact that look they at off to, week. You know, what I, mean? I just like to that they went back to the basics. I mean, I think we talked about this last week, like. I would say a lot of that; those plays were probably week one, week two install <coughs> of the spring and training camp. Like yeah. they uh, they played a lot faster. It looked like, and they're yeah. uh, they're coming off of what they had two losses in a row, and then they yeah they just been playing like shit. Yeah, like their defense has been playing good, but like I mean, still Sneed. even last week offense. Sneed. Yeah, sneeze obviously awesome, but like even last week, like fucking Bucker had fifteen points, right? Or was it eighteen? He like he scored, he's fifteen. Yeah, he scored all their points for him. So it's like, did the offense? I mean, I they mean, moved shit, the ball. I can't, I can't say shit. We lost a playoff game to a kicker scoring all the points. So who Steelers divisional round? When when was um, we had the one seed? I think or the two seed. We had a bye. Came out, played the Steelers at home. Like they weren't a great team that year. They were good, but they weren't like Steelers in the wake way past. Yeah. And uh, we went out and we we had a, a tough game. Alex was our quarterback, and uh, we didn't we put up a couple touchdowns, but dude, they just got they we bent, we didn't break, and they just kept kicking field goals and yeah. fucking lost the game on six field goals. What'd you say? Way 
Le'Veon Bell, but it was it was the was I it? I think that was the year before I got there. It was yeah, it was a miserable. They had to push the game back to a different start time because we had a bunch of ice and snow in the morning, and I think it was supposed to be that earlier divisional round, and they moved it back uh, earlier in the week because they knew the weather was going to be bad. What year was that? That had to be like third, fifth, fourteen or fifteen. Okay. At yeah. least, okay. I mean, I got no. There 17. So fourteen, we didn't make the playoffs. So fifteen or sixteen? Fifteen, I think. That's Chiefs Homer boy over here. Yeah, Homer boy. Dude, my uh, my eight year old could tell us. Dude, that that kid locked in. Oh, locked in. Knows everything there is to know. First year like, tackle for him. Yeah. Is he on Team Freedom? No, we know he's out in the. the yeah, he's in Southwest Missouri. But yeah, he's he's ate up with it. Was it seventeen? Damn. Oh, maybe. That's right. Because I guess I got there. Oh, that's 17. And then there was another I don't fucking know. <laughs> anyway. We'll, we'll figure a it long, out. A long, a long time way. ago. Either way, too long ago for so me. So did you grow up playing football? I did. All sports? Uh, football, um, baseball. Jacked up my shoulder early on. Football coach made me run track. Um, and then I went back to baseball my senior year. But did, played, you, did you wrestle? I didn't. I didn't wrestle. That was one of my regrets. Yeah. Mine too. Um, I told it. Yeah. That's never told. too late, boys. We can throw the singles <clears throat> on and go downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Roll around a little bit. I, I've I've done some Great in condition. my adult in my adult years. Yeah. So you have to. I feel like I don't know if I want to do that. Like Dude, it's it. If you want to learn about being a man, buddy. No, I, I listen. I completely understand what you're saying, and I love and man, it's a workout. wrestling. But I'm talking about like it's gonna hurt. I think your body's gonna hurt. Yeah. No yeah. shit. You're using everything. Like right now. Like if yeah. I'm doing that right now, I'm saying. Yeah, that's because you're out of shape, buddy. We I'm not get, out of shape. We gotta get you back in. Oh, I'm in um, sh- I'm out of shape. I'm out of shape. Ryan's out of shape. Yep. I'm not out of shape. Yep. Macros. Well, we'll see. I mean, there's only one way to find out if we wrestled or not to see if you're in shape or not. That's like, but I don't. We're not in the same weight class, dude. I would wrestle you. No, you wouldn't. What are you two forty? Uh, two forty eight. Holy shit, buddy! You right fucking now. went on a little splurge, <laughs> eh? A little bit. You getting a little, a little bit. big, no, big boy? I'm, I'm back. I'm back down to the the grind right now. Right. That's respectable. I've just started again. Yeah, 2024? 2024. New Year's resolution? Yeah. yeah. No, I started a few weeks ago. It was, I, the, this, uh, these last few uh, Yeah, so tell us, tell us so what's going on. What, what have you been up to the last year to, to, uh, to get you to the point where you're like, all right, shit, I'm gonna, I got to get back into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was, uh, was in the 75th Range Regiment. I served from uh, 2004. I got out right before 2010. So kind of those... Glory years, um, feel incredibly blessed to, to be in when I was in mm-hmm. a really busy time, both in Iraq and Afghanistan, got to go all over the world, serve with some awesome dudes, got some, an amazing experience. And the op tempo was very, very heavy. Um, again, I, I feel very blessed to be able to serve in the time that I did and the mission sets that we got, um, were, were, were phenomenal, um. And then I found my way, so in 2010, found my way working, um, went to went to college, uh, finished up college, quickly found my way, don't ask me how it happened, but working in higher education. You went uh, to uh, College of the Ozarks, did I read that uh, right? Yep, I went to College of the Ozarks, uh, work school down in southwest Missouri. Um, it's actually my hometown, where I'm okay. from, and so it's just kind of a natural fit for me to to move back home, um, go to school there. Uh, like I said, it's a work college. I majored in agriculture. Um, at the time, I thought well, a lot of guys coming out of uh, the military that didn't do a career, especially during that time frame, a lot of them were doing either contracting jobs or because there was still a lot of stuff going on overseas or doing the federal law enforcement agency thing. 
And I was like, I'm going to do one of those two things. But I always had a dream of finishing my degree and like I wanted to, wanted to go to school and do that. And so I picked something I was interested in. Um, and so I, I did animal science and agriculture business was, was what I did for Big animal guy. Yeah. yeah fuck yeah. yeah. Me too. <laughs> um, so we, uh, so I did that and, but my plan was, is to, uh, to get a degree and then go get a federal law enforcement job. So at the time with, if you had the background that, you know, a lot of us had, um, as long as you had a degree, it could be in anything underwater basket weaving. As long right. as you check that box, right. you could get in. Well, so I graduated in 2012, and if you remember in 2012, um, that was during Obama's um, administration, and they had the federal sequestration. So they had a hiring freeze across the board. So I had applied for multiple federal agencies, and that basically got letters all back, like, we're not going to be hiring for a while. So I was like, well, crap, now what am I going to do? I... uh, Thankfully, the, the president of the university had kind of taken a liking to me. Um, don't ask me why. Um, Is that a woman or a man? Man, oh. yeah. yeah. Old, uh, <laughs> older man, and uh, he uh, was like, kind of like a grandfather yeah. to me. Um, <clears throat> it's private security. Yeah, so <clears throat> yep. making sure, <laughs> yeah. Making something sure goes no down, I've got this guy on that, my that's side. Right. I'll come get me. And there's me. some yeah. crazy shit going on, like little Harvard action, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, what are we, oh, she resigned last night. Did you see that? I mean, she'd have to. Fuck. I won't, won't get in that. You're yeah, right. not, not yet. Not yet. Anyway, so he uh, he brought me on. Um, I ended up starting working at the uh, for the farms, and I was like, hey, you know what? I kind of like this. This is like I, I could see myself doing this for a career. So I quickly went to grad school, um, and I was gonna I was gonna be a professor. That's what I knew I was gonna do. Like I quickly had that decision, like right then and there. I'm gonna be a professor, and uh, I uh, went to grad school. Actually got a degree in ruminant nutrition so for stomach animal nutrition um so cows goats deer stuff like that um started teaching so this was in 2015 um taught for one year and realized oh my god i hate this and i also hate research i am not smart enough for this i hate this luckily um the president there was kind of some changing some things up and uh he asked me, this was in 2015, asked me if I wanted to come and work directly for him and, and do the, uh, the patriotic initiative that the college has. So College of the Ozarks is a very patriotic school. Asked me to come in and, and like run and start that initiative. And so, yeah, that's right up my alley. I'd love to do that. And so for the next like four years, got to work um, directly, actually for the next, I guess, six years, um, got to work directly for him. Um, and just kind of do anything that related to government, military, um, patriotism, stuff like that. We started up a, um, actually I say we, he started it. Um, I got to come in and and help run it, but a patriotic education travel program where we took students, we paired students up with veterans and traveled to historic battle sites. Um, so, uh, for, for like four or five years, um, twice a year, we were going somewhere all over the world. So I've been all over Japan, all over Europe, all over Vietnam. Um, we've taken uh, South Korea. Um, so to back to World War II battle sites, Vietnam battle sites. Um, been to Vietnam four different times with, with uh, Medal of Honor recipients, POWs. We went back actually to the Hanoi Hilton, to the Hallow Prison, where these guys were held for, you know, some of them six, seven years. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that was a really humbling experience, really cool opportunity to travel the world. And so not your typical experience working in higher education. Um, anyway, along through, through the work that we were doing through the, we call it our patriotic goal, um, got to meet a lot of really cool people along the way that were doing some similar things with veterans and just had the, the, the similar ideas. It's kind of a long story. Um, and I'll cut to cut to it, but, um, along the way, probably around 2018, um, ran into Adam LaRoche. Um, just for through some of the things that he was doing, he was, you know, uh, he probably, what, two years out of baseball. I think he got out in two, 2016. 16, I think. And had started this foundation working with veterans, bringing veterans out to the ranch and doing hunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, most specifically, special, um, I'd say 90% of the guys that are coming out there are, are um, current and former special operation guys, um, which I was. And so when I found out what he was doing um, through just, again, through mutual contacts, um, I, uh, I came up, I actually came down, or sorry, came up to the ranch, um, like I said, probably 2018, and met with him, um, saw what he was doing. And if, if, if anyone's listening has ever met Adam, um, he's a very intense and intentional guy. When he, when he looks at you for the very first time, um, he, he quickly looks into your eyes and sees if you're for real. Um, he's just kind of got that way about him. Kind of, you look at him and like he's looking into my soul. As right a psychopath, now. or yeah. What? I mean, no. he could be. Yeah, yeah he needed to be <laughs> at times. Um, no, he's just a really intentional and intense guy. Um, but he's also that type that kind of makes you feel like you're the only person in the room, right? Um, and so there was a group of like probably ten dudes when I, the, the first time I met with them. But we talked for probably four hours. Um, loved what he was what he was doing um, and what he was all about. And so we just kind of stayed in touch throughout the years. Um, I invited him to a lot of the events and things that we were doing at the, at the college, and he had, he came. Um, I also started helping and volunteering uh, for the for the hunt, the veteran hunts, um, and that's where I met Sherm years ago. Um, so I would just come up. We do, uh, I guess four. We got one going on actually right now that started yesterday. Um, we have four hunts a year. Um, we have a, a November deer hunt, a January deer and turkey hunt, um, an April, um, sorry, did I say deer and turkey? Deer and duck. Deer we're and right duck, now. yeah. We're not shooting turkeys nope. in January. Sorry, uh, deer and duck. And then April, we do a... Um, turkey. Turkey hunt, thanks, Sherm. And then we also do a shooting event in August, and then we'll also throw in there a golf and fishing tournament somewhere along the way. So four or five events a year. So... From 2019 to 2000, uh, like 21, 22, I, w- I was coming up and just helping out where I could. I mean, I just mm-hmm. basically almost begging to, to volunteer. Like, right. hey, can I come cook? I like to I like to smoke meat and, um, you know, hang out in the kitchen and take out the – I said, I'll do whatever. I just right. want to come hang out with these guys. Because for me, it was an opportunity, um, even though working in the capacity that I was working in, I got to hang out with a lot of veterans, but they were mostly, you know – Vietnam era veterans, okay. uh, which again, th- that's um, like the war two guys. I, I view them as like the greatest generation. Um, but it was really neat. Every time I got to go up to the ranch um, and hang out at these events, I got to be around guys that I had served with. Every time I went there, I walk in the door and there was a guy like, Hey, I went to ranger school with you. Hey, I went to selection really? with you. Hey, I, I remember you in Iraq. I bumped into you or, Hey, we had the same team leader, yeah. whatever. Right. And it's not many guys that go to the hunts, right? It's like six or seven. Yeah. Right? yeah, it's, yeah. it's small, right? We like the, this one, we have um, <clears throat> six new guys. Okay. Um, and the same deal last night I walked in the room. Um, and so we, 
I, I've been, and I'll get kind of get to it. I've been kind of removed from the planning of a little bit from the from the hunt. So I used to be a lot more involved right. these last year or two. Um, but we've got a new guy, actually, Chris Indicott, yeah. who was on the I show. Say, I think Chris yep. was saying that's what he does. Yep, yep. is our veteran service coordinator. So he kind of handles it all. So I've been, and we'll get to it, but I've been busy the last couple um, weeks and months and uh, didn't know who was coming to the hunt. And uh, I was just walking in, and it's going to be a surprise. And I walk in the door yesterday, and um, I see a guy. Um, uh, he, he's still active, so I won't say his name. And he works for a, a clandestine unit. Uh, but I walked in, and I I hadn't seen this dude since uh, 2010. Um, and we were we were we were pretty good buddies, uh, but I kind of lost touch yeah. um, with him. But we were in the same company in First Ranger Battalion back really? in the day. Deployed multiple times together. So it's cool. I had no idea he was going to be there. Walk in the door, and we both looked at each other. Of course, he's got a lot more uh, gray hair uh, right. than I remember. Um, but it was pretty cool. Um, so anyway, we, we we get to do a lot of really cool things like that. So I it was just very addicting to me. Right. Um, I loved serving in that capacity. It gave me, it was selfish for me because it gave me a lot of purpose um, to hang out with like guys that I was very familiar with from my past. Um, yeah, and then Adam, a couple years ago, had kind of dangled a carrot at me and was like, hey, what would it take for you uh, to come come work for me? And at the time, I, again, working for the College of the Ozarks and Jerry Davis, um, he's like a grandfather to me. And I mean, there was no amount of money that could get me to leave there. Um, but I told him I'd continue to help. Um, but when the president uh, decided to to uh, step down, he's 77 years old now right. um, and been a university president for 40 years. I was like, hey, one, I don't want to be in. I was, the only reason I was working in higher ed was for him. Right. And so it was a... Uh, it was a sign for me that it's, it's time to move on and called Adam up. I think like on a Monday and, uh, on a Wednesday that get back the, to you on Wednesday, yeah, Thursday. The, yeah. Pretty much, typical yeah. usually. Yeah. No, actually he called me three, I, three I, four day I, window. He did call. I, yeah. I, I called him and he did answer, which is surprising. If anyone that's ever tried to text or call Adam, you know, that's about impossible, but he did, he did answer. He said, man, like, yes, like, let's, let's talk through this. Like, I want to figure this out. Um, I'd love for you to come on the team and, and, uh, you know, uh, work for E3. I don't know what it looks like, but, yeah, let's figure it out. Um, I see, he said, I'll call you in a few days. He calls me at midnight the I'm next asleep. night. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm asleep. asleep. Like, right? And like, normal people are, yeah. are asleep Not on him. a Tuesday. Not him. But he calls me at midnight, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, um, I'm, I'm asleep. What's up? He's like, well, I'm driving through Springfield. And I was living in Branson at the time. And he's like, hey, let's... uh." you want to link up? And I was like, like now? And he's like, well, I guess it is late. And I was like, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm excited for the op- new opportunity. I'm like, yeah, I'll meet. And he's like, ah, actually, you know what? Why don't you come up to the ranch tomorrow? I'm like, uh, okay. But yeah, that was my, that, w- that was kind of how it's, but that yep. says everything you need to know about, about Rochi. Um, so anyway, I go up to the ranch on a Wednesday and we spend like 10 hours sitting in the living room just t- talk, talking it out. Um, and it's been the, the um, that was in, I think, May of, 22 Mm -hmm. um and so since then it's been one of the um, i've been very blessed to do some really cool things in my life travel the world you know serve in the ranger regiment um work for college of the ozarks uh, hang out with just phenomenal people but the last year and a half has been the most rewarding uh year and a half of my life yeah i feel like that's been a common thing talking with you and chris just hearing you speak about e3 it's like the 
the rewarding part is the part that I mean kind of fulfills anybody and yeah for you obviously you have the old relationship and seeing old faces and people that might look up to you in, in your same uh, profession you get together with them and those relationships that's like anything we do with sports it's like it's the same type of thing so it's I do know, it's cool hearing that I do know that uh, Adam was very excited to bring you on <laughs> because I think I talked to him a couple of days after uh that you guys decided that you were going to do it and uh he couldn't stop talking about how excited he was how it was going to change the whole the whole uh foundation and how how awesome to have someone your caliber want to but then also come and work and help his purpose and and he was uh he was very excited about the opportunity well i think i caused him just as many headaches now um, no, and, you're the and, headache and, fixer, and probably eh, I don't know about that. I mean, I do. I think I, I think I create as many uh, headaches that I have to fix myself or for him. Um, but we sure do have a, a hell of a time. It, it's awesome. What do you exactly do for E3? Yeah, so I kind of work. Um, so I originally came on. Um, so in my capacity at the college, I worked as kind of like a chief of staff too oh. for the for the president. Um, and so that was kind of the capacity I came on. Um, for Adam and his wife Jennifer, um, and and Jennifer is is the foundation for uh, for Adam, um, and she's just a phenomenal, godly woman, and I can't say enough uh, good things about her. I'm kind of terrified of her. Uh, yeah, she's she's scary, uh, but in a good way. Just you, it, she's she walks in the room and you immediately have respect. Um, and All she's, women are scary. Well, <laughs> yeah, but she's the, like, there's a little bit something a little different. Yeah, she she's with got Jen. she's got great, a, but like she's got a presence, sweetheart, but like you know, like. You mess around with her man or someone she or, cares about, yep. it's you, yep. you might not come back. She is incredibly loyal. Um, and that, yeah, she's been like a second mom to me. Um, so anyway, I, I came on just to kind of help them be a catch-all for all things. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of do a little bit of everything, right. um, which has been a little bit of everything. I, I think I, I came on working for Adam in May of 22. And then in June, I mean, three weeks later, he called me and he was like, hey, we're going to Ukraine. Like, uh, this was like on a Thursday. He's like, we're going to leave Saturday. I was like, yeah, why don't you give a little backstory about like what you guys were doing over there? Yeah. And, like when, yeah. why you were going over there, yeah. what, what timing and what stuff that was. Um, so kind of, again, I think I'll back up a little bit further. Um, so Adam, of course we have the, the, the veteran events and he's been doing that even prior to leaving baseball. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the, the, uh, the start of the foundation came when he was in baseball, you know, went to, would, would take trips to Walter Reed and got to got to know when he was with the um, NDC. Yep, when he was playing for the Nats, would go to Walter Reed um, and got well connected with um, with the veteran community and started bringing guys out to the ranch. Also, one of his passions because of a trip that he and Blaine we talked about earlier took to Thailand, um, he got exposed to the just the horrors of, of human trafficking, right. and so got heavily involved um, with that. So he, um, he like Sherm. Uh, went through um, Kansas's reserve deputy program, got post-certified, commissioned as reserve deputies. Um, then also Adam, um, like Sherm, went uh, to the uh, the TFO, got TFO'd with Homeland Security Investigations. So again, really put his his uh, his time and attention into into that fight. Um, so part of what Adam was doing through his foundation, uh, through the Ether Ranch Foundation, was the veteran piece, you know, the four or five events a year, but also working on the county human trafficking side and helping law enforcement and the advocacy side and just kind of the full spectrum of operations when we think of, you know, uh, 
you know, recovering girls, like um, finding them, um, and then also through the lifelong recovery right. process in that full spectrum. Um, and when Afghanistan fell, um, just because of the guys, and so kind of our mission set is is very broad. Like we're 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 basically our mission is to go where God calls us to go. Right. Um, regardless of where it is. And we'll go to the, some of the deepest, darkest places of the, of, of the earth um, for those that are in their darkest hour of need. Um, so wh- whatever fits that boat, that's what we'll do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, which is very broad. Uh, when Afghanistan fell, uh, a lot of guys that had been through the ranch started calling at him just because he knew his kind of circle of influence and knew that he had a heart to do something and they had the capacity to do something. Um, said, Hey, I've got my, um, you know, my interpreter or my, you know, safe house uh, manager that's over there that's now on the you know, on the Taliban's hit list. Can you do something? So Adam and you know the, the very small and limble team that we had at the time. This is before predates me. Um, quickly went over, um, went to D.C. Also employed guys in the Middle East. Blaine was one of them, and a few other guys that had been out to the ranch as veterans, um, and quickly started helping folks mm-hmm. out there um we moved over a thousand people across the border um and helped facilitate them through safe houses getting them safe passage that was a long tumultuous process um it's one that we're still um still doing right now still doing right now i mean right. years later we're still you know moving folks we took on about 220 folks that we took on as like our families that, yeah. that had a very direct connection with guys that had been out to the ranch and we sustained them. We, we basically committed to them that we would sustain those um, 220 people all the way to final resettlement until they got jobs, which has been, again, a y- years in the process. Um, so, again, through that, through that was kind of the, the, the foundation's first experience into working humanitarian, like international crisis response humanitarian work. A lot of those same folks that were working in Afghanistan that we became close partners with um, in February of 22, when Ukraine um, happened, mm-hmm. a lot of those same like good dudes went over there to help out. Um, and then again, called Adam up and said, hey, um, can you help out? That mission set was, this was in February of 2022. Uh, this is before I was actually working for the foundation, but still very involved. Adam actually had called me um, that he was heading over there. And... He, they went over there to rescue 19 high-risk orphans. Um, completed that within the first week. And this was like the first week of the war. Um, and then quickly found that there was a lot to do over there. Right. Um, and we got linked up with a lot of different folks. Samaritan's Purse being one of them. Water Mission. And just started kind of being like those. We found ourselves, just because we're good at, um, and Adam's phenomenal at networking and connecting people. And, um, and again, just going wherever God calls us to go. Um, quickly just got involved in a lot of different things through helping um, take food um, to hard-to-reach places that people just couldn't go at the time. Um, We're helping Water Mission um, find logistical routes to get um, some of their reverse osmosis systems in, their wells in. Uh, We linked up with some of the military guys over there um, and started setting up safe houses and safe routes of passage for certain strategic areas that we knew would fall mm-hmm. to Russian control. So that way when they fell, we could start getting these these refugees to different safe houses and leapfrogging them up to these different refugee logistical routes. 
Um, so we were still, so basically that became an ongoing project. Right. Um, and so in June, Adam calls, hey, we got some work to do. Um, and uh, like I found myself, like, like I said, I think he called me on like a Thursday or Friday. And two days later, we were, we were in Ukraine. And huh. this, this, is, this is the result of 2024 being the, the get back, get back right. Yeah. yeah sorry. That was a long, no, a long, I mean, that's, that's uh, there's been a lot of things going on. So anyway, I, um, I've always, always kind of prouded myself. Um, I've always been kind of, uh, pretty addicted to, to working out, staying in shape. Yeah. Um, I went to, I was actually coming off of, I was nursing an injury. I was trying, I did a half iron. Um, I was nursing an injury and went over to Ukraine. Of course, you can't work out. Um, there's nowhere to run or nowhere to, and where our op tempo was crazy, but there was nothing open when that first trip we went over there and except for gas stations. So for an entire month, we, Adam and I were basically just living out of a van, um, getting about sleeping when we could and eating gas station hot dogs. And so I'm, I'm a fat kid at heart and my body is, I'm, I'm not a professional athlete. Um, like, like you guys and like Adam LaRoche. And so like that dude can eat hot dogs five times a day. And still look, yeah. I gained, I'm not kidding, 15 pounds in a month from that, from that trip. And I've, and I've been back, um, I've had to deploy multiple times all over the world. Since then, I've taken four trips over to Ukraine, been to Brazil, um, done a lot of work um, on the counter human trafficking side, um, and a variety of different things. Again, been the greatest blessing of my life, but it's been hard to, uh, to stay in shape. So now it's time for me to get back on a routine yeah. and... Uh, We'll get him right. Yeah. yeah. Sherm's had an intervention with me. He said, hey, man, you're getting a little fat. So I said, all right. That's, that was probably you, after I told Sherm he was getting a little fat. So yeah, he no, probably felt bad taking no. it out on somebody else. That's not true. I mean, <clears throat> when was that conversation? Like a couple weeks ago? That he's had it with me? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. He, he kind of sat me down. And he's Timeline's like, hey, right. Like, that's that's about when I sat him down. I'm like, yeah. buddy, like, he didn't sit me down, you got a gym right here at your house. He you got to spend a little bit more time in there. Yeah. He was like, hey, man, when I first met you, you were like a, you're kind of like a stud. And I was like, thanks and he's like yeah but you're you're kind of like a uh a wet noodle now uh, yeah i mean listen listen it I happens like that, it, i mean that push it was ups, actually hurtful ups. so no, but it inspired me it, it inspired, inspired me. you yeah so i i got i got online um started looking like how to lose weight um so yeah i'm telling you macros <laughs> i mean yeah Start there's a bunch of food and there's stuff. a bu- no you don't do all that just work out hard yeah be a man <clears throat> You don't have to count your food and you do both. Count your rice and so uh, don't no, it, it's been good. Um, but yeah, the routine thing has been hard for me because uh, we don't we don't have one. Yeah, it's no, there is none. We just, I mean, I've since working for Rochi um, and doing what we get to do. Um, I've never bought an international plane ticket more than seventy two hours out, and I've never bought a return ticket. Yeah, that's a uh, that's quite the life. Yeah. So I couldn't do it, but again, I, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. And, um, just the things that we get to be a part of and the things we get to witness and the team we get to work with. Yeah. Um, now we've really grown. Um, we've brought in, um, a few other guys. Um, Brent, Tony, um, yeah. the guy I actually served with in first ranger battalion with came out to a hunt, uh, about a year or so ago. And, um, comes with a lot of leadership experience. We really needed that, you know, that structure and that, um, that pointed direction and, and, uh, he was retiring and looking for options and he was, we could tell he was kind of the right dude we were looking for. Um, and so we brought him on and, 
Um, so we've really grown out our team in the last. The team, put it this way: the team that he Adam has assembled is very similar to the A team. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean that's bringing the top dogs. Like you, this is the like if you, that group's coming after you. Good luck. I I, uh, I think the only reason I'm a part of it is because I was able to jump on at the beginning. Right. Um, like the dudes that, that we've assembled now. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, Sherman, that's well said because these dudes are, are studs. We got some A-listers. Nice. Um, so, I, yeah, I feel very humbled to be a part of the team now because I very I do not belong. Um, like I said, I think the only reason I, I'm a part of it is because I got on early. <laughs> How did you, I want to circle, I'll circle back to that, but how did you even get into the military to start with? Talk about kind of your upbringing, uh, high school, like what, what made you go to the military? Yeah. Um, that's a yeah, great question. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I can't tell you, I've, I've asked that, <clears throat> I've been asked that question a lot and, uh, it's nothing honorable, <laughs> uh, as far as my line of thinking. Um, I wasn't like, didn't have an over sense of patriotism. I wasn't overly patriotic or like, man, I just got to go serve my country. It was honestly like I watched way too many cool movies as a kid. And I was like, I I just got, I want to do that. Like, um, this will shame, this will, uh, be, um, hard for my army buddies to hear. But like when I watched like the eighties, um, seal movie, like Navy seal with Charlie Sheen, I was like, yeah, like that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I had just had it in my head. If you ask my mom, like ever since I was just a little kid, like that's that's what I was going to do. That's what I wanted to do. Again, not because I was like something honorable, like I'm going to go serve my country. Did you go right after high school? I, I did. I took a little bit different route. Um, so my parents um, were pretty adamant that I go to school. Um, I was pretty against it. Yep. Um, but they were like, hey, you're pretty decent at football. Like, why don't you try this football thing um, and go to school? I was like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, football's fun, but, like, I really want to join the military. Um, but my uh, my mom, um, as awesome as she is, she really pushed that, like, hey, you need to you need to do this. And so I think she was, like, behind the scenes, like, helping me try to get scholarships yeah. and, and stuff like that. And was really, was really, again, she supported me doing the military, but she really wanted me to try the school thing. So I did a thing... Um, it's actually meant for high schoolers that want to join the national guard, um, in their, their, the summer after their junior year and then finish up school, finish up their training after their senior year. It's called a split option contract where you do basic training one summer. And then the following year, when you graduate high school, you do your, your job school. Um, but I had somehow talked the recruiter in, um, to letting me do that as a graduating senior. And so I, the day after I graduated high school, I headed to Fort Benning, Georgia for, this is in May of 2004, uh, headed to Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, for basic training and then did, you know, the 11, 12 weeks of that and then reported to, um, August practice up here in Kansas city, at mid American Nazarene. Nice. Yeah. So right on the street. Yep. Had a, uh, had a blast. Um, so that was cool. So I, I, I did basic training down at Fort Benning school for boys, they call it, um, showed up. I had lost uh, some of my muscle mass. Um, so they quickly had to put some stuff on. Um, I, I got recruited to play inside <clears throat> linebacker, but they switched me to outside. Um, it was cool being in an AI school. I got to quickly start and play and had, and at that time, <clears throat> uh, uh, 
the American Nazarene. I haven't followed them since, but were really good at the time. Uh, we had a guy that actually played for the Chiefs. Uh, um, John Booth, I think, was his name. Um, that was our quarterback that they got picked up really? by the Chiefs. So we, we made the playoffs that year. Um, anyway, it was it was awesome. It was an awesome experience, but school was not for me. Yeah. Um, it's not it's, for a lot it's, of people. It's funny. I, I was a pretty good kid in high school. Didn't party. Didn't do anything like that. I was too serious about school and, like, being in shape and stuff. But when I got out of basic training and showed up to a Nazarene school, mm-hmm. and sorry for anybody that's that's at Mid-American Nazarene and hear me say this, but I partied my ass off um, at that Nazarene school. All right. And yeah. So it, it, I quickly found, like, whew, school is not for me, and I am not mature enough for this. I had a blast playing football, but that's all I really cared about. Yeah. Um, but I knew it wasn't a forever thing for me. Like, I, obviously, I wasn't going to go do it make that a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you guys know, being athletes, like playing college ball is tough yeah. um, with film and weight requirements. Yeah. And I mean, just my heart wasn't in, even though it was fun. And so I came home and I had gotten into some trouble too. And I was like, I just told my parents, like, like I, I got to do something different. Like this isn't for me. I, I kind of knew I, I, I was always one of those motivated kids. Like, even though I'd kind of fallen off my path a little bit, um, I knew that I wanted something more. And I was like, I, I got to go in the military. I got to go to active duty. And so um, played one semester, did one semester of school um, in the fall. And then at Christmas break, I uh, signed an active duty contract and then uh, switched up my schooling or my job school. I became a, a I went to school to be a Ford observer. Um, so that's the guys um, on the ground that work with the infantry that call in mortars and artillery and control um, aerial assets yeah. for, for maneuver fires, we call it. Um, so I went to school to do that, uh, quickly, immediately, this was, um, now 2005 quickly found myself, um, like right when I got out of job school, I got deployed to, or got sent to fourth infantry division. Um, this was early in, in 05 and immediately got deployed like a month later, got deployed and found myself in Iraq for a whole year. Talk about um, the uh, <clears throat> your mindset just being deployed. I mean, you were a couple years. So what were you like? Twenty. I was nineteen. Nineteen. Yep. I was uh, nineteen. Found myself in Iraq, um, in Iskandaria, um, right on the Euphrates River, <clears throat> just south of Baghdad, during like the Wild oh, yeah. West. Yep. Um, this is right when the Iranian influence came in, and there was EFPs that showed up. IED. We were living and working right in IED Central. Um, and, uh, when I first showed up again, it was kind of like that, man, I'm, this is cool. Like I'm playing soldier, right. like this is real. Um, like, you know, this is real. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. Right. Like this is what I, this is, you weren't nervous. I was not nervous at all. I was like, this is, this is, yeah. this is what the movie this is what showed you signed me. up for. This is what yeah. I signed up for. Um, but I don't think it really hit me, um, until, um, because I had showed up uh, straight from job school and like immediately deployed, I didn't have any train up to, huh. to, for, for deployment. So I got stuck in a jock, um, which is a joint operations center. Um, so like picture a room with the TV screens and the radios. And I was like on radio duty okay. for the first month. Like that's, they didn't know where to put me cause I had no training right. with a company. So like you just go sit here. So I did eight hours on eight hours off for the first month, miserable. And of course I was like, man, I, I want to go out. So I would volunteer every time that the the XO, the executive officer who's in charge of the jock, he would have to go out on operations. 
every once in a while to go check on things. And I would volunteer to be a gunner, to be whatever on that. And, um, you know, quick, quickly got in some good graces, um, then got on with the, uh, the colonels, uh, the battalion commander's personal security detail um, was going out on operations for like two or three months doing that. Um, and that's where, like, I remember the first time we got hit by an ID, the first gunfight, and then it was like, oh, shit, this is, this is real. Right. Um, like, it hit me hard. Like, this is not at all what I thought it was. Um, so that was an eye-waking, like, um, a moment for me, big time. Um, I quickly, from, from that, transitioned into a line unit and uh, worked on worked on an infantry line, um, and we were working day in and day out um, for, again, through, throughout. So I deployed in, I think, like, October and came home that following November um, in 2006. Um, and so it was a very busy, very busy deployment. Um, my eyes were opened, and uh, it, it, was, it was a tough one. We lost uh, quite a few dudes to IEDs, um, was in multiple IEDs myself, um, and quickly found myself like, wow, this is not at all what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and then through that process, that's when I, um, I'd worked with, we did one operation with a special operations team. We supported them from the outside, but I just got to see how they worked. And I was like, man, I, that, that, that's what I need to do. That's what I want to do. Um, like driving around here and like waiting to get blown up. Like, this is not my idea right. of, of a good time or what I you know thought I was signing up for. Like, I want to be, like, proactive and and go after target sets and be, like, a direct action force. Yeah. Um, and I just, I saw the caliber of dudes that they were operating. That, that who they were and what yeah. they, you know. Also, there's a the cool factor, too. They had some cool gear. They got to wear beards. And oh. I was like, you know, as a 19, 20-year-old kid like he, <clears throat> who was, like, had to keep his boots bloused, had to shave every day and was worried about getting blown up every day. Like, I was like, man, there's some appeal to that. Like, yeah, those are cool right. dudes. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I came home from that deployment and uh, decided, like, hey, I'm going to, I want to do, I want to do something like that. And I was, I was actually headed to, to SF, Special Forces, the Green Berets. Um, I had a selection date. But my platoon leader, who I'd become very close with, and we had went through some really close calls together um, and lost, you know, a few dudes together, um, he, he was headed to the Ranger Regiment. And he had went to their selection process, and I was training up for my selection process to go to SF. And he came home, um, he got selected to go to, to the regiment, and he said, dude, I found what you're looking for. And I said, what do you mean? Um, and the range regiment still to this day does a great job of kind of staying under the radar. There's not a ton of books. There's not a ton of movies. So like a lot of dudes don't know exactly what they do, oh. um, especially at that time, early on in the, this is early on. Fucking act like he knows. I hang out with him. <laughs> I know what's going on. <clears throat> so, um, and again, this was early on in the war. So th there was not a ton of information other than like these dudes are a direct action raid force. Right. Um, <clears throat> and they're badasses. So I was like, okay. I mean, I've heard of them. They sound like pretty legit. Um, he's like, this is, a, this is a different mission set than SF. Like, I think I found what you're looking for. So I trusted him. I didn't really know anything about them. Um, and so I, I, I called up that recruiter and they actually were looking for my job, my, my job set. And they were like, yep, we're actually hiring for your job. Um, fill out this paperwork and do this <clears throat> initial screening and we'll see if you can come to selection. And, uh, yeah, so I, uh, got picked up 
to go to selection at that time. It was called rip ranger in doc program. Um, and it's basically like, I think at that time it was like five weeks of just a kick in the nuts. Um, you don't learn. They, they've then since changed that selection process. And now they, they do the, the onboarding selection to see if you're tough enough. And then they train you and you learn a lot of really cool stuff at that time. It was like, basically, do you have what it takes? Um, like what, physically, like, can you talk about like some of the things that you had to do <clears throat> the very first day when we, um, the very first day of rip, we went on a 10 mile run. And at the end of the 10 mile run, we, there was a little, um, like soccer football field in the middle of Fort Benning. Um, and it has like, it's like a little Fort Benning, Oklahoma. Nope. It's in, uh, Georgia, Georgia, Western Georgia. I feel like I've been there. Yeah. No, it's you the, you don't have credentials to get there. Yeah. Want to bet? <laughs> I right, keep going. I'll pull the, the ho- It's the home of the infantry. Um, been there. Anyway, we, after a 10 mile run, which I mean, everyone's in good shape. You have to show up in good shape. Right. Um, but I mean, a, a pretty brisk. Yeah, no, 10 I'm, not, I'm already here. I'm good. Um, then at the, when you think you're done, this is the very first like morning we show up to this little, little stadium and it's not very big, but it had, it's like a bowl and it had your stadium seating. Oh yeah. And we just, we immediately, once we got done with the 10 mile run, we started doing stairs. And that very first morning, um, and I was in great shape, and I could run with the best of them. Um, I remember doing stairs, and, like, then we came down to the field and just started doing, like, um, just, they call it games, right? Um, whatever they wanted to do. And that was the very first time I I um, I almost passed out. Um, like, I remember seeing, like, I had tunnel vision, and my vision got all the way down to, like, a pin needle. Yeah. And then I came back, too. So just straight, like... Uh, physical conditioning just like, straight up a smoke fest and then that's, like that's, when does like the mental side pop in obviously they're connected but like morning one yeah i mean really it's it's physical but everyone shows up in great physical shape yeah right um so it all becomes mental for everybody so everyone's a pt stud there right uh-huh. um but then it becomes okay can you continue to push your body and do this uh-huh. um and so that's that's what it was like yeah for four or five weeks um got selected uh, got to got first ranger battalion, which is in Savannah, Georgia. Um, and man, it was exactly what I was looking for. Um, when you show up to regiment, it's unlike, it's a little bit different than the other sp- units in special operations community. They, um, their selection process is a lot shorter. Like if you're going to go to, you know, get, get into the teams, you go to buds, you know, it's, you know, a year long, right? right. SF is a year long, um, so they do the selection process, which is, you know, the first four to six weeks, and then they train you up and then you show up to your unit, right. um, you know, kind of ready to go. You're still a new guy, but you have the training to be in that unit. The range regiment really tries to grow their own once they get you. Huh. So you go through their short selection process, which I think now it's like eight weeks or seven weeks. I can't remember. But at the, when I went through, it was like four to five. So it was very short. But when you show up there, you're called, regardless of your rank, you're called a ranger private. And life is hell. It's, I mean, it's, it's very much, and this is the old days, like hazing was still, still very much a thing. Um, like you had to earn the right to stay there. Right. Um, and so it was, it was rough. One of my best friends to this day, who's still in, um, was my team leader. And he, and I, I love this dude. He's, he's a brother, but he was a dick. He was hard. Um, and he was a PT stud and he, he made life miserable for me. Um, and they're, they're basically getting you ready and they, they it's constant training, yeah. like learning your job set, staying in shape, learning the mission set, 
Um, you do get to deploy, but you don't really get to do much. You just kind of hang out. Um, sometimes you get to go out on operations, um, but you just kind of, you're just kind of, you know, there and you're doing whatever they tell you to do um, until you get to the slot to go to ranger school. Um, so ranger school is like the, is like once you've been selected to go to ranger school, which is a big army school, um, but the rangers have to go to it. Um, so it's, it's kind of confusing. Um, but all ranger school is, is a leadership like suck fest. Um, they train and teach leadership under very stressful conditions. So sleep and food deprivation, constant movement, and just learning. Um, you learn old tactics. So like it's basically Vietnam patrolling. If you don't really learn a lot of new stuff, you just learn the very basics of battle drills. So battle drills one through eight, um, you, uh, uh, sorry, one through eight or one through six. It's been a long time. Um, you learn the basic battle drills and you learn how to carry out and do patrols through um, ranger school. If you go straight through is eight weeks and then you do a, actually you do a pre-ranger first, which is four weeks. So anyway, I, I spent about a few months in the regiment and was finally like, all right, Sizek, you're ready to go to ranger school. You're ready to become basically one of us mm-hmm. um, because you've learned your job. Like you've been a, you know, a good ranger private yeah. um, and you've gone through the suck. Like we want you to be one of us. So then they, they send you to ranger school and again, that is just a, that is pure mental. Um, I've never been so hungry, cold, tired in my life. Um, but it, it, it was a, it's a great place to be from, not at. Right. Um, so looking back, it was some of the best experiences of my life. Um, but man, it was really tough. I mean, what is, <clears throat> when you're in ranger school, like what are the types of things that you learn about yourself when you're in that situation? You, you learn what you can endure. You learn what your capacity to endure is. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-ranger is put on by our unit. So the, the ranger regiment puts on the most amazing, uh, pre-ranger course and it's really hard, but they feed you and, and you get a lot of sleep there. So they feed you well and they prep you sleep, but yeah. they, they really push your limits. So that way, when you show up, you're kind of prepared and ready. Um, cause when you show up there, it's, it's a constant go. And so there's three different phases, Darby phase, which is in Georgia, um, at Fort Benning and that's small unit tactics. Um, and once you go through that, then you move on to mountain phase, which is in Dahlonega, Georgia in Northern Georgia and learn how to do mountain patrolling for, for three weeks. Once you get out of that phase, you go down to Florida Mm -hmm. and do swamp and jungle and like some beach training. Um, and that's three weeks. Um, so it's a nine week course and, uh, you have to get a go in each one of those phases to move on the next. So some dudes like, I mean, I, I know some studs that have spent a year at ranger school really because they get just keep getting recycled. Um, I was lucky enough and it's truly just luck of the draw. Um, I went straight through and I think I, I I think God knew that I wasn't tough enough to do that shit again. Again. Um, there was no way I could get recycled. How real, how real is the training versus boom, you're in there, you're in Iraq, you're in that situation. The the, the trainings as far as like the realism is not Mm -hmm. so much. I mean, they do a pretty good job of, you know, with op four and setting up like targets, um, and patrolling and getting ambushed. And so you learn some basics, how to defend yourself, react to contact, you know, fighting, um, like inner trench, um, like inner and clear room. So you learn those battle drills and they set up pretty good scenarios. Um, but really, you don't so much learn the, you learn the basics of battle drills. Right. Um, but what you really learn there is just how to suck and how to do it well and how to endure. 
Um, everything becomes when you go on your patrol phases. So like uh, at the end of each phase, you go on your patrol. Um, the shortest patrol is like six days. I think the longest one's nine days. Um, when you're out there, you, you're, you're out in the field for nine days and you're constantly going. Um, you get prop when you're on patrol, you get one meal a day. Um, I, I think now they do two MREs, but, um, it's either one or two MREs, not much, yeah. right? It's for as much as you're moving, you're carrying a 60, 70 pound ruck. Um, but you get on average on a good night, an hour to sleep a night. So, and some nights you, it's like 15 minutes or you're sleeping when you, when you, after about 72 hours, like if you're, if you stop moving, yeah, like we're right. sitting now, there was no Possibly. way you could stay awake. Yeah. So they just keep you moving just like they do for the seals in hell week. They just keep them moving. Um, and that's what it is constantly. And that's how they get at you is through food and through sleep deprivation. Uh-huh. And so you just learn a lot about yourself and how, like, um, how, how much can I endure? And you want in like a training environment for that to be the, your worst experience, right? Okay. That way, when you go out into the real world, um, whatever you experience, um, you know, I've, I've had it worse mm-hmm. in my past. Right. Yeah. So it kind of gives that perspective to know, like, um, Oh, I've done this. I've stayed up for three days. Like right. I've had not eight. I haven't slept. I've like been walking for, you know, 20 miles. Like, yeah, we're going to do, uh, um, you know, an eight mile, um, offset, um, infill. Like, no, that's not a problem. Like I, I did that, yeah. you know, two months ago. Um, so that's what I kind of learned a lot about like just myself and how much I could endure. Um, and so the cool thing was when I got the cool thing with the regiment does very, very well. And it's truly a brotherhood is when you get out of, when you, when you pass ranger school and you show back up to your unit, you are welcomed with open arms. Like you were like, Hey, you've made it. Right. You're part of the brotherhood. I mean, you still, I say you've made it. There's still a lot to do. Right. And still, you got to keep up your proficiencies and all of your, um, your skill sets, but you're like, Hey, you're one of us. Yeah. Uh, and it was the, one of the most rewarding experiences of my life um, coming back and then immediately deploying and then getting to do the stuff we got to do. Um, uh, the range regiments the, is the world's premier um, light infantry raid force. And so that's, that's all they do is direct action. So all they do is go after bad guys. Um, whereas like, you know, some of the other mission sets like the, like the Green Berets, you know, they do, they have their unconventional warfare. I mean, it's an awesome mission set, but it's just different, right? right. Um, whereas the Range Regiments, they do one thing. They shoot, move, and communicate. Like, we we shoot, we enter and clear like buildings, that. we kick doors. Like, that's why... You're um, on the offense. Yeah, always on the offense. Um, you know, we're not we're not going in to train anybody. We're not going to do anything like that. Like, hey, if you need somebody to, to, uh, to be, you know, captured or killed, like, that's what we do. Um, and then we also got to um, work and support some of the tier one assets. Um, and so being a part of the Joint Special Operations Command, um, JSOC, um, we're, we're a part of that. Um, kind of in a, more of a support role as a QRF and um, also can handle some independent uh, mission sets on our own. Um, but got to work with the world's best um, and go on um, patrol and support um, not only like our own thing, but also some of the other units out there. Is this poor Benning? Does that look right? <clears throat> Man, I don't know. I'd have to see what I mean, unit a, that is. I mean, I mean, that's the uniform, right? Well, that that's a, the army uniform. It could be anywhere. I don't know. I'd have to look. I don't know what. 
what patch that is. Buddy, I was there. I swear I was. Sherm checked me out. Low gun action. Or what? Low gun in the forest. That looks like that does that. Let me see. That, that. train. Let me see. Like that. That. I was see there, that. buddy. It was me and uh, our Darius Stewart. It, we were doing. I think we were going to speak to the speak to some of them for a marketing thing. Because that's like that's not far from that's like, you said Western Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's in Columbus, Georgia. Yeah, that sounds very. Yeah, that's guys would have messed you up, dude. No, those guys right there. Nah, I could do them. That like, guy right there would eat your fucking lunch. No, so like, he looks pretty mean. Look at him. No, right there. yeah, yeah. We, we we got to see them like do their like live in action. Yeah, in the, yeah that was cool. The, 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 easy where you're right scrolling. Here, this looks easy, like easy. this looks like Endicott right there. It does. Like a young Endicott. Maybe it's, see, if it's, see if it's him. So like, all right. So like, how much? So what can we get into? Like, I mean, like you're on the offense. So like, we, we out there. Garrick wants to know. We fucking some shit up or what? Man, again, when when especially early on in the war, um, and things have obviously changed because we're not at war, right? Um, but in the what I would call like the glory years of Iraq and Afghanistan, um, yeah, it, it was just constant, like going after target packets. Um, like we would have a have a dude that we were you know that intel was following and chasing through a variety of different intel means through you know image intelligence, signal intelligence, human intelligence. We'd gather all that. Um, our Intel shop would put together like these different targeting lines and that's what we'd be going after. And then, so, um, most of what we did was what we'd call, um, um, uh, what are they called? A, um, basically like a, a mission. I can't, can't remember my, my acronym. It's been too long, but basically a, a mission that pops up at the last minute. Huh. Um, it'll come to me in a second. Um, most of what we did was like last minute things like, Hey, this dude, you know, just popped up popped up um at the time this was highly sensitive classified but we were tracking cell phones right um but like this dude just popped on a cell phone like we got him we know where he's at um go. let's go like let's go get him um and a lot of times it was like hey if we can capture him that's great if not like take him out let's take him out um if there's any threat to force like our that's our rules of engagement were very clear and, and very um very open when it came to that for the most part um so yeah, anytime that we go on target, um, we go on, go, go in, um, there's nothing quiet right. about what we do. Um, once we go loud. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's very quiet and controlled when we go in, right. When we, when we show up, it's very quiet. It's a controlled infill. We get everything set. We have our sniper set. We have our blocking position set. We have assault set. Like everything is set and ready. And then when it happens, it happens very quickly and it happens all at once. And it's the the greatest display of controlled chaos that you have ever seen. What part were you on? You were at the assault part? <clears throat> so I was in assault. I was what was called a um, the assault um, forward observer, the assault controller. So I was with the assault element. Um, my main job was to, to communicate situational awareness to the team and to the aerial assets. So picture in the sky and this is a cool thing about what we did and who we worked for and the targets we were going after were all high value targets um uh tsts time sense time sensitive targets that's what we, most of our targets were tsts um but they were high value enough that we had all the support we ever wanted so picture in the sky it's like a, a cone um a stack of aircraft so we would have like our 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 uber drivers which are our helicopters. Sure. Yep. Uh, 
So, which the the Night Stalkers flew for us the the um, um, the one sixtieth um, Special Operations Aviation Regiment, the best pilots in the world, um, flew for us. So that would be the the, the assault package or the the assault lift. Um, above that, would you'd have your attack aircraft. Um, so the one sixtieth DAPs or Little Birds, their gunships. You might also have Apaches above that. You would have a, a drone, like a Predator or Reaper. Um, above that, you'd have a gunship, AC-130 gunship. Above that, you'd have F-16s um, or, or A-10s or F-18s or a combination. Above that, you'd have some other um, ISR, um, surveil- um, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance aircraft, that all they do is like do really sneaky squirrel stuff. Yeah. Um, and have a lot of cool sensors and capabilities. And then above that, you'd have this different um, EW, electronic warfare aircraft. So you'd have a stack of... At some nights, I could have a stack of twelve, so it could be, you know, got every fucking thing. You got all I, the resources. I, I could, I at one at any time could have eighteen aircraft in the sky. So me and another controller are controlling that, and then I'm with the assault. Um, so basically, keeping situational awareness. Because so when when shit goes south, when it goes sideways, be ready. Like I want to know where all dudes are at, and my aircraft want to know where all dudes are at. So if we need to start doing maneuver fires, um. Like we can, and we can do it very quickly because when it happens, it happens quickly. Right. So I'm basically with the assault element on the breach to not like not the the the, the one or four man dude in. I'm like you know a couple dudes behind like the the, the dudes that are entering. Right. Yeah. So I'm able to keep that command and control a little bit and that situational awareness. But I'm tied in in one ear. I have my assault like team radio, and the other ear I have what's called the fires radio, which communicates to the all the aircraft and also the ground force commanders listening to my fires radio mm-hmm. so um once we get set once we get the you know the sniper set blocking position set the outer cordon set everything set and we decide to go loud and breach and we breach every night like with um typically like comp b or c4 you know whatever that breach is going to be um we'll breach the door dudes enter and then as soon as that happens, we typically bring in, you know, aircraft. So it's just loud. Um, the assault element's going to breach, going to throw in a banger, um, like either a one banger or a nine banger. Um, I've thrown a couple nine bangers before. They're pretty They're pretty intense. Um, and so that that's basically what I'm doing is communicating. All right, you know, um, we've made entry to, to the, uh, the, ground, the, the ground level of building one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the aircraft have... I'll have what they call a GRG grid reference guide. And it's basically like a Google or shot. Um, and it's got numbers. Um, and typically this is done. Like sometimes when on these time sensitive target, if we haven't been watching this house for a while, like I'm printing out GRGs, emailing them to pilots. And like, I'm on the aircraft, like, all right. Um, uh, if you see this, this building, um, north of the large pond that has a, um, east west running road, um, to the south, that's building one. And like just kind of talking them on. Okay. Like that's building one. Building two is the one directly to the east. <clears throat> building three is, you know, the one directly to the west. And so we're building out this this GRG yeah. on the route. Now, it's a lot easier if we've been planning this target for a while, then those are all done yeah. ahead of time. Um, but that makes it really easy. Then I can say like, I can tell um, like the gunship, um, at their time, at that time, their call sign was Hammer. Like, hey, hey, Hammer one two, um, we've got snipers on building three. 
on the southeast corner of Building Three, and then the gunship Hammer can say, "Hey, yeah, Roger, I'm visual. Those the, your snipers on Building on Building uh, Three. So it just made it real easy to keep that situational awareness. Um, that way, like when we need to, if if things go sideways, um, when we kick up kick up the hornet's nest, um, then we can quickly start you know calling in fires or getting that situational awareness because the aircraft, each one of those aircraft in the sky, have incredible sensors and they're able to watch on yeah, the ground right. and right each one of us also have a, a an ir strobe on so they can see us um they have really unique capabilities what we call a sparkle they can shoot an ir laser it looks like a lightsaber coming down from heaven um and so they can we can see a dude running and they can sparkle the dude and we're like oh yeah we see him yeah, yeah. um trying to get away yep that's so why i <clears throat> not to get off subject but like i told sherm me and uh this was a couple years ago me and tyreek could like come over here and take his house out because he wouldn't be able to catch us but i mean if you have some uh, technology like that we don't know about we might be in trouble you know what i mean yeah, exactly what i'm saying there bob is there an operation that sticks out there's a one that was like way more intense way crazier like kind of all <laughs> similar in their their own aspect all very similar um there was one where we were supporting um, uh, a, the uh, Navy's um, Special Operations Development Group, their Tier 1 counterterrorism unit. Um, so the Army has, or the, the military has two counterterrorism Tier 1 units, one in the Army, um, uh, which is the, the uh, Special Operations, you know, what we know is Delta, right? Yeah. Oh, you've heard that. Name. Yeah, Delta um, Force. And then also Development Group, which is, um, you've heard like SEAL Team 6, right? Yep. Um, and at the time, like obviously you can go to Barnes & Noble and read all about that. At the time, that was very sensitive classified yeah. uh, material as far as like their, their names and what they go by. And that they're not, we don't, we don't use those words like Delta right, Force. Yeah. But um, anyway, I digress from that. But we, we, we would support those, those, those guys. And in Afghanistan, we were supporting one of the squadrons with the um, Naval Special Operations Development Group. And that that deployment was in the winter of Afghanistan. We were based out of Kandahar. Um, we were going after some really bad dudes, but the op tempo was pretty slow just because we were there in the winter. And if you know anything about Afghanistan in the winter, like, it's brutal. Um, I think that's, uh, it's it's some of the roughest terrain out there. Like, Kandahar's in the valley, but everything we were, where we were going, we were flying, like, one, two hours away uh. up in the mountains. Um, and so we would only go out every probably like fourth night, which is very slow compared yeah. to other deployments that I've done. Um, like when I was working in Iraq with the regiment, we would go out two, one, two one time a night for sure. And then sometimes two times. Um, but anyway, on, on one night we were going out, but even though it was slow, every time we went out, like the dudes we were going after were super bad out in the middle of nowhere and up to no good. Um, so they were long infills because they were out in truly like BFE, truly BFE. And, um, they could he hear helicopters from miles away. So they would drop us off like on the other side of a ridgeline. And so we would have these like ungodly infills, um, offset infills. We have to walk in some of the most just horrible walks. Um, it's brutal cold. We were there in the winter, like I said, and it would be like snowing and just miserable, but you're because of the amount of walking you're doing um, and the amount of weight you're carrying. I mean, you're, you, you do break a sweat. Right. Um, so then you have to like, when you're in those conditions, if you know anything about like working in like um, glacier or Alpine 
um, and extreme temperatures, like when you sweat, you if you don't have the right gear on, like that, you get in trouble, right? Yeah. So like we'd have to stop, and like once once you like break a sweat, you stop, like let your body cool down, you know, go again. So it makes things really long. I mean that's how that's how we did when we would go out. Um, but that's why the op tempo was slow, just because that's the environment we were working in. Um, and like really, those guys aren't going a lot too. Yeah, like the, the bad guys aren't. They don't, even though they operate well in that environment, they don't like operating in that environment. So they're pretty much just staying at home. And so that's where we were, we were going after them. Um, but again, the dudes we were going after were, were bad and they were ready for a fight when we showed up. So pretty much on that deployment, every time we went out, we kicked up the hornet's nest. And so what our job was is a ranger platoon. We were QRF, a quick reaction force for, for those guys. Um, and, uh, but the cool thing about that deployment is we got called out every night because they got into it every every night. Um, I remember one, one, one target, and they kind of all run together. But when we first got on target, um, a, a dude. Once we went loud, um, it was a it was a compound, and we we had breached the outer compound and entered this this compound and had multiple little huts or houses in, inside. There's like a I don't know how many families were living there, but it was like a multiple multiple family unit out in the middle of nowhere. And as soon as we breached the outer wall and, and went in, um, a dude popped out and shot an RPG way over the top of me. Um, like, cause he actually got popped yeah. um, by a dude. So that RPG went off and I'm like, all right, stuff's getting real. Um, and we entered a building, uh, one of the, one of the houses and a dude immediately popped an S vest, a suicide vest. So he's obviously waiting, ready, and so that quickly went sideways very quickly. We had um, squirt, we call them squirters when dudes run from different target buildings. We had dudes scattering. That's and quite running. the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so that was a busy target. Yeah. Um, and I won't go into the rest of it, but it, 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 the night started with an RPG getting shot over the top of me, a dude popping an SFS. And then we, uh, we, we basically quickly, one thing that we did well. Um, is like, hey, we're not going to fight fire with fire. If you're right. going to play those games, like, you should see what we have in the sky. Yeah. Um, so, like, we'll, we'll, if we have to, we'll, we'll pull back. Right. Like, Makes yeah, well, we're not going to play this game. So, yeah. like, if you're going to run all over the place and you're going to pop off SVS and shoot RPGs, like, that's fine. We'll pull back and we'll let the gunship do its work. We'll fire some 40 mic mics down on the ground as these dudes running and we'll drop a, a few one, 105s on their houses and, and that was you. You called all that in. Um, me and another guy. Yeah. So we, um, uh, yeah. So th those are, that's, that's like a typical night. Um, and that, that, find didn't, out. That, that didn't happen every night, but those were some of the more um, rewarding nights when we got to do stuff like that, go after really bad dudes um, that, that had it coming. Um, yeah. And I felt like we got to make a difference. I like that. Yeah. That's some good stuff right there, Sherm. Hey, Sherman wouldn't survive one day out there. I'll tell you that right now. Is uh, <clears throat> why don't you ask him? What? Ask him if I would. I mean, you know, if Sherman so, well, spent a little time at the range with me. I'd say he, you know, he does a pretty good job behind a long gun and a pistol. Like he's 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 been definitely honing his skills over the last yeah, but couple like, of years. He's a little wide, you know. what I mean, like that's I mean, an I, easy target. I, there's, there's not a lot of room for me right now to 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 comment on his thickness. So I'm gonna I'm gonna digress from that. But just like it's like a natural thing, though. The dude's fucking like this wide. <laughs> yeah, but you ever seen some of these guys? That that is true. That, that no, is, not really. That, All right then. 
dudes in the regiment, just because we, again, we pride ourselves on being like those, those 500 pound gorillas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Batista. You're, you're, you're t- you typically see like your, your bigger dudes are going to be from regiment. Um, yeah. like just, but also, but we can also run. Um, that was one of the things we, we had a really cool, um, uh, PT program that actually was, um, initiated when I was there. I felt really lucky, but the, um, the guy that trained, um, the dude's name is Mark Twight, and he started Jim Jones, um, JYM Jones, um, I think out in Utah. But he, he made a career out of um, training, uh, like, dudes that would climb Everest. So, like, big dudes that had, like, the capacity to, to carry a lot of stuff but also needed endurance. Um, but what really put him on the map <clears throat> is he trained the dudes from 300, that movie, that came out. Um, and so you saw what those dudes looked like. Yeah. They were just absolute specimens and so the military quickly was like hey like we we want that like what we're doing is great but it's not a full functional fitness right so like we'll hire you to come do that um and it was awesome um like i uh i gained i I put on more weight like I, i probably weighed 210 pounds um could i was uh you know benching well over like probably 350 could clean well over three um but also could run like a half marathon in 90 minutes so like a sub seven yeah half marathon but weighing 210 yeah and being able to bench 350 like it was awesome that's pretty good yeah it was so i mean like what type of shit were you doing like is there secrets <clears throat> to it man it's a little juicing you guys were juicing or no, what? i mean buddy just get back on that stuff whatever you were doing yeah right i know now. i know Come i know on. So it was cool. So before he showed up, he gave us a four-month training program. And it was, I may jack up the order, but it was a month of um, strength. Like just your typical in the gym doing um, your, your typical, you know, workouts that yep. you would do. Um, very isolated strength-based stuff. And then you would do <clears throat> a month of power endurance, which was kind of like your CrossFit a little bit before CrossFit, but... Um, a lot of the Olympic lifts and calisthenics, um, it's more functional fitness type yeah. stuff was your power endurance. And then we did a month of endurance, which was miserable, but like everything was based on your heart rate and we would go on three hour runs, um, based on, and you had to keep your, your heart rate at that, um, you know, that prime, whatever that is, that, um, level two. Level yeah. Three. That, oh, basically that aerobic state. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it, it could be, even though I was a fast runner, it could be like my aerobic state is a nine minute mile. Mm-hmm. So regardless of how fast you could run or how fast you, or how much you could push yourself, like you're going to do this, um, you know, nine minute mile pace for yeah. three hours. And it was all endurance. We go on long rucks. Um, and then the fourth month was a combination. So like week one or day one would be strength and tomorrow would be power endurance. The next day would be endurance. And so that's what we did for four months. So we were already like studs by the time he showed up. Um, after doing this four month train up and then he just kind of put us through some really intense, um, uh, he, he's also the dude that trained, uh, Henry Cavill for Superman. Okay. Um, I mean, you guys got to be juicing though, right? Like not juicing, but, but we, we had Body the best, the not paying for that. no, but we did have awesome nutritionists. We got to eat, um, the budget for our food. Um, and the things that we got to eat was, was top very notch. calculated, um, top notch. It was just it was really great. Um, and so they took really good care of us. Um, and we were 
we were finely tuned and that was sweet um to be you know 25 years old um just ripped ripped yeah i know you know to just get after it so yeah those are those were the years for sure i mean you got to be taking a little something like a little testosterone though sherm's trying to get on something so i'm just trying to help him out a little bit why why is it always like what am you're why having am I trying to get I mean buddy I see you in there struggling I'm just trying to help you out. You got resources go, right I can here. I go down there and Have you guys taken you in every category. That's not the point. It's functional Thomas. fitness. We're functional. It's not the strongest don't always survive, you know what I mean? Hey like taking testosterone is a thing now, right? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I haven't done it, but like I've We know a couple I've, guys. I've heard it's like a good thing. I know a lot of well, dudes it, are, Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's like a good I've thing. S- I've seen it make a huge difference on one in particular. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. We won't uh, say names on Yeah, camera, we won't but, say names, but yeah. No, it's it's good, especially if you're older, getting older. Yeah. Like, it's it's huge for for uh, motivation. Yeah, that's right. Motivation. Energy. Course, sex drive, energy. Yeah, like, all of it is, is benefits. There's yeah. no, I don't, and I think it's. There's a certain balance, I think, that obviously I don't have a medical degree, so I can't speak on. But like, I think there's a balance of like where it's super beneficial, and you're not going over that portion of amount your body's like sure. really thought of capable of making. So then you get reliant on it. I think there's a good balance that you yeah. can play if you go to the right doctors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to help Sherman out. We got the cold tub downstairs. Like, were you guys doing like that type of thing? We like did. your typical. Yep. Yeah, professional athletes. A lot of right? yeah, just contrast and um, yeah. Then they, the reg, the special operations community in general does a really good time. And I don't know if this has always been the case, but I can say it was definitely the case when I was there, and it's only gotten better. Um, talking with my buddies that are still in, um, of really taking care of their body. Yeah. Um, and no, and just knowing like what, just like you guys being professional athletes, like you're gonna put yourself through a lot of a lot of hell. Um, and so you got to take care of it um, after the fact. And so they did a really good job, hired a lot of great, um, uh, you know, physicians, assistants, also physical therapists, um, and just spent a lot of time doing, you know, cold and hot contrast therapy. A lot different than what it used to be then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Rub some dirt on your, right? yep. walk it yep. off. Well, I mean, yep. we, I mean, we can kind of get in. So like, what are your thoughts on what's going on in the world now with, uh, Palestine and all the crazy stuff in Gaza. I mean, how, how involved would you have been in your role then with all that stuff now? You know, it's a, it's, it seems like the U S is involved in it. I just don't necessarily know. Yeah. And that's a, that. that's a complicated question. Um, you know, obviously the U S is involved. Um, I would say, you know, if I was still in, um, it, it depends on where I was at. Um, now, I, I do know guys that are, are actually involved to some capacity, mm-hmm. right? But it's not exactly what you would think, um, right? We're not, we're not deploying boots on the ground in Gaza. We're not deploying boots on the ground in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, we're helping out in, in different ways um, and being more of those advisors and um, assisting with, um, you know, our, our financial resources, also some of our knowledge. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a complex world um, out there. I can tell you it's, and I don't want to get too political here, but it's it's really scary yeah. what happened in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, that there, there was definitely a vacuum, right? Um, and again, without getting too political, but the world saw that they had their, this is their chance to seize an opportunity. And that's exactly what Putin did. Um, and we got that soft ass leader. Yeah, it's, it's. Dalton. Kierig. 
I mean, it, again, we it's it's scary, um, and the world is definitely watching. And there's when you know the United States um, leads through. You know, we're we're the, we're the biggest baddest dude out there, and we we lead through deterrence, right? Because like. You don't want to mess with us and you don't want to mess with our buddies because like we will bring the full weight of the United States on top of you. Um, and what, you know, this started in Afghanistan when we pulled out of Afghanistan the way that we did. And we saw it when we did, when we, when Obama pulled out of Iraq, right? What happened when, when we created that vacuum, ISIS quickly went in there. Right. And that was really tough for even a guy like me to see that had been in Mosul, had been into Tikrit and to saw like how quickly ISIS like took over. Um, that happened tenfold when we pulled out of Afghanistan. Like we'd been there for 20 years, right? And, and, and Afghanistan's a whole nother case study and topic in itself. Like, should we have been there this, that long? Should we have been nation building? Right. Like that's a whole other conversation, but regardless, we were doing it. We were there. So we had to commit, right? But when we pulled out and we pulled out in the way that we did, we created that vacuum and allowed for like the Taliban to completely take control. And the world was watching that. Like, Iran was watching, China's watching, Russia's watching. Like, they, they, they are. And if you're seeing what's going on now in the world, like, they're they're seizing those opportunities. Right. Um, and that that's exactly what Putin did. Um, he he was like, this is this is my chance. Um, and he knew that the Ukraine, being a non-NATO country, um, you know, was vulnerable enough um, that. You know, I, I can do this. Right. Um, but don't don't think that if he now obviously he, he got more of a fight than he was bargaining on in the Ukraines and being over there now, you know, four or five times, I can say it from firsthand experience. Um, like they're they're amazing fighters and they've yeah. learned a lot and they're probably the most advanced and now the most experienced fighting force in Europe. Right. Um so he, he definitely got more than he was bargaining. Um, but you know, I know there's been and I'm obviously we're all we're I'm a strong conser- conservative like Sherm here. Um, Myself too. Um, I don't know about that. Sometimes but just fucking relax. <laughs> but relax. it has been a little sad to see Republicans. And again, not trying to get, not trying to get. Well, we can get there. Yeah. This, this podcast has no but, limitations. But it's, 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 it's tough for me to see um, some Republicans out there, some strong conservatives out there that, um, you know, have, have been frustrated, you know, at, and I'm not, sticking up for anything that the Biden administration is doing. Um, but supporting Ukraine is absolutely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think is going to happen if we didn't support them in the way that we did? And they, they stepped into, and they took Ukraine because they would have done it. I mean, Ukraine would put up a hell of a fight, but they needed our support. They needed right. our dollars. They needed our bombs. They needed our strategic support. Um, like he's not going to stop, yeah. right? If he steps foot into Poland, or steps foot into a NATO country, like the whole world's getting involved, mm-hmm. right? So um, there, and I know Ukraine, you know, has has had some corruption issues, and that's one of the things that Republicans have had a hard time with. Um, is like why support this super corrupt country? But obviously, they've had a regime change, um, and they have been working on it. Um, they weren't given the opportunity to fully figure their stuff out before Putin um, invaded. But it, if Russia was allowed to not be kept at bay. Now it was, you know, the United States fault that they took that opportunity, right? Because we were weak. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we just allowed, we sat back and said, you know what? That's not our problem. Like it quickly becomes our problem very, very quickly. Um, so I, 
So I, I know it's been a very um, controversial thing, our involvement in Ukraine, but it's absolutely the right thing to do. Um, and then when you look at <clears throat> Israel, like that only happened, again, because the United States is, is I hate to use the word weak, because that hurts, that hurts to say it, um, but we're not seen as a strong deterrence like we were. Yeah. Um, and that very much allowed Russia, Iran, um, and some other, you know, nation state players to come into and basically not force, but entice, dangle yeah. the carrot for Hamas to say, Hey, like, here's your time. Here's your opportunity. Take it. Um, and now you've got Leb the, the Hezbollah and Lebanon getting involved, um, and all these different, um, you know, Islamic sects that are, that want to see the destruction of Israel. Yeah. Um, and again, that only happened because of what happened in Afghanistan, what happened in Ukraine, and now like it's, it's trickled down and you're going to see the same thing, um, happening in Taiwan with China, like China, if you look at what they're doing across the world, like through their economic development, like that's the most strategic, brilliant, Mm -hmm. um, way to expand their, their, um, influence. Um, you know, you know, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but you know, our cell phones, the, the, um, the, the raw materials that go into making our batteries that everybody now relies on is now a hundred percent owned by China. Yeah. Like they own all the cobalt mines throughout Africa, right? They own all the land. So the United States is now a hundred percent. Um, if not hundred percent, then you're close to hundred percent reliant on these nation states for these raw materials that we very much depend on. And again, that happened right underneath our noses and only happened because we are not seen as the strong force that we that we were. So what you're saying is probably not smart to have an EV at this time? <clears throat> probably not. Okay. Just I didn't know. I mean, that's a personal shot. Like you gotta fucking chill. <laughs> I mean, it's a personal <laughs> shot because you have a fucking EV. Yeah, but like, have you ever been in an EV? I'll take you on a little spin right after this, but like I'll put you back in your seat. I put Sherm, almost gave that guy a heart attack, just zero sixty. And I heard they're pretty sweet. Half a second. I don't know. It's got I, a little giddy up. I mean, yeah. I saw you driving the the Raptor out there. A little shout out, Bob Allen Ford, Lee Walton. I mean, how long you been driving the Raptor? Um, so that's Adam's truck, um, and he's been letting me use it now for a few a few uh, a few months now. It's a pretty sweet it's truck. Pretty sick, right? So the other day, I, I've, I've got a. Should we give that thing away, Sherm? No, nope. no, not this one. No, no, I'm not doing, don't even, no, put, we're not, yeah. well, I'm not even say that. Yeah. Yes, that was the one that I put Oreos in. Yes. But guess what? You want to fill <clears> it with <throat> something else or? Well, buddy, listen, I, you're, 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 I like that. you're, 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 you're asking, fire. you're, you're flirting with fire because there's a couple of things that he, the man that we're speaking of has wanted to know for a while. I'm aware. And I've held out of telling him for a while. But you want to fuck around and find out? Just let me know. I'm just saying don't mess with it. Don't touch it. I wasn't saying me. I was saying you guys like that. Nope. Fun. Nope. Like, not going to do it. No. Not going to do You've it. You've seen what happens when you mess with Adam. <laughs> you, you, you don't know the level of which. Sherm's told me. All right. So listen. So put it this way. <clears throat> so everyone knows what happened to my truck yep. after what I did with the Oreos and yep. stuff. And, you know, James Winchester had a part in getting yep. access to my phone and yep. getting on and helping him. Brilliant, by the way. It, it is brilliant. Yeah. But I knew 
that that was the plan like two weeks before. You did. So I haven't heard this. Okay. I didn't know that you had any idea. No, no. I knew that that was the plan. That was what, but again, you know, Adam, now it's like, if he has his mind on something, there's really no stopping him. He'll figure out a way. Like, it doesn't matter if he like shows up, like he can, I mean, shoot, you see what he did to to Luke. Yeah. Yeah. There's no stopping him. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, this, it is what it is. It's going to happen. Well, the reason I knew it was going to happen is because Winchester opened his mouth to someone else. Okay. And that other person was a good friend of mine. Yeah. Still a good friend of mine. Yeah. And told me, hey, prepare. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. This isn't Matt, is it? Matt? Yeah. No. Okay. But <clears throat> he he's wanted to know the person that told me. Yeah. That who, like, who spilt the beans before it actually happened. So are you ready to divulge that now? Not yet. How okay. many years okay. ago was that? Four? But I know, like, Something I like can that. give him that information, and th- uh, there's, I'm almost, I'm, I'm 85% positive that like, something will happen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not to the human, but, <clears throat> like, of possession from yeah. Adam. Oh, yeah. As a gift. Yeah. It, like, the level of pranks in which he's his mind like i don't even know how his mind thinks through some of this stuff and like i actually can't even talk about it because like on on the air i mean just giving away a fucking truck like that's pretty it wasn't even the, it wasn't even the truck it was the the and, th- and this kind of shows to him and what he's all about and how detailed oriented and extremely detail oriented and how like intelligent he really is yeah like it's not the we fact won't, that we won't he, tell them in person, but he he's a no, I never tell him that a brilliant guy. Yeah, I would never tell him yeah. that he's smart because I yeah. always tell him that he's a lot stupider than I am. Yeah, um, but like the website, the the people he had on board, the people that were going to spread it as instant as it was. Yeah, have it all dialed in to go, go. Yeah, and everything is up like nothing. Yeah. Like that is the the thought behind it. It's not the fact that like, oh, I got a truck now. I'm gonna go give it away somewhere. It's the whole deep. Like the, it was an awesome fundraiser, yeah. like unbelievable yeah. fundraiser, crazy. But it was all because of the details beforehand yeah. that took up to that. You should see, yeah, <laughs> the, the time that he takes to put thought into some of these pranks, and the level of like the intention to detail. Well, it helps that he has Matt Light that is another yes genius when it comes to that stuff. Yep. He's a Patriot too? Patriot. He helped Adam with the whole process of my truck. Yeah. And he helped us when we did Luke's as well. Uh, Yep. I mean, how's it feel to have like Winchester kind of go behind your back? Oh, listen, I can be very patient when I want to be. I have an idea in mind. I mean, but for it's Mr. Been Winchester, four years. that doesn't mean anything. It's just sitting there ruminating. It's just sitting there waiting. You just don't want him to know when it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough. So you might think, oh, you would think like right away it should happen right, like immediately. Like it doesn't have to. Let that thing settle. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. Fifteen and then, years. Boom. Twenty years. It happens. I mean, I guess. I mean, it's not. It's the waiting game. I mean, I think you've you've experienced it. Oh yeah, it, you can sit there and wait. Yeah, but and like watch for a long time. Tomorrow's not promised. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's other people that know about this. 
I made a vow during that time to Adam that said, I will never again mess with you, but I will be the first person to tell you anytime I hear about anything that's going to happen to you. <clears throat> if I hear about it, I'm going to let him know. Yeah. That's kind of, I told you the story that I, and I'm going to partake in all the pranks that he wants to do now. Because yeah. I'm all, all about it. Yeah. I told you what I told him. Oh yeah. You can, I mean, you can, uh, yeah. I mean, it was actually very similar yeah. to, cause we were, and I can kind of give the story leading up to the conversation he had with you because yeah. you were a target. Um, we were coming back from Oklahoma hunt hogs and uh, we called Matt to just, you know, talk about him. He had just, I think, maybe a week, two weeks before that, had just uh, uh, retrieved Luke's truck. Luke's truck yeah. to, to get it to get it back from yep. where he needed to get it back from. And uh, we we called Matt just to catch up with him, and uh, he seemed really suspicious of of something. We didn't know what it was. We were both sitting there like. What? So then on the, you know, we hung up and he's like, dude, I, he might be up to something like on me, not you. Like, I think he might be onto something for me. So like I went back for Thanksgiving that year, that November. No, actually I went back in the, might've been right in the summer, whenever it was, he's like, Hey, meet up with Matt and, and see, cause he's, he lives in new England and, and I'm from new England. So I met up with him one day and I, I was like, Hey, like what you? got something going on like just fill me in like kind of a you know undercover agent for adam and uh he didn't but then it comes to the conversation he had with you after that conversation with well Matt. so that that conversation got adam really worked up like he was because he knows the level of, of shenanigans that matt white can pull off and it's very <clears throat> similar to yeah. him so like yeah. it's so he's not it's, if if there's a nemesis to to adam it's definitely to matt like he knows that matt's at his level if not more on his level of just shenanigans. So it did get him worked up and he was, he was constantly looking like, you know, figuratively behind his back, like something's going to happen. And it, it did, you could tell it, it bothered him yeah, for yeah. a while. Um, like he didn't know who to trust. And this went on for, you know, two or three weeks. Um, <clears throat> and I don't, maybe this was like October. It was late fall. Anyway, we were at Luke Bryan's house for an event and uh, I was there with him and, I had left my cell phone in Adam's truck and it'd been like an hour and like I completely forgot that I didn't have my cell phone on me. I was like, oh dang, where's that at? And I was like, oh yeah, it's in the truck. So, and it was parked like at the, the, the east end of Luke's property. You know, it was like a, you had to take a four wheeler ride to get to the truck. So we, where we were at on the property, it was quite a ways. <clears throat> so I go up to Adam um, and again, I'm like, I am. Um, You're working I, six months now, probably with yeah, him. Yeah, and I'm and I support he and his wife, um, and work for them. And you know, I uh, you know consider myself very loyal to both both um, Adam and Jennifer. And I go up to Adam and say, "Hey, do you mind? Can you hand me the truck keys? I need to go grab my phone. I don't have my phone." And he looked at me. He's like, "You kidding me? Seriously, you?" I was like, "What are you talking about? It's not dong. It's not dinging on me that um, <clears throat> he's thinking that I would be a part of something." I was like, what are you talking about? Like, give me the truck keys. He's like, are you kidding me? Seriously, you of all people. He just starts immediately accusing me. And, that, and, and all and I did was words ask. words I've heard <clears throat> multiple times. Like, All him. I did was ask for the truck keys. I was like, seriously, check my pockets. I do not have my phone. I'm going to go get my phone to see if my kids have called. <clears throat> and 
And he just kept on, like he was worked up. He was like, I cannot believe it. <clears throat> and I looked at him and I said, Adam, don't ever, don't ever say that to me again. If you can't trust me with something like this, tell me right now. If, if you can't, and if you think I'm ever a part of something like that, I quit right now and I'm going home. I was dead serious. I said, don't ever call me out for that. I said, I will quit right now if you don't think you can trust me. And I think he was still nervous to hand me the keys. And um, I went, you know, took the, the gator or whatever to go to the truck and got my phone, came back, handed him the keys. And I said, never again. You throw him out his chest and give him a little shove. Said never again. I was serious like too. Oh yeah. No, I <laughs> and, and Jen, Jen was there this. and she was like, Oh, he's serious. I'm like, I'm serious. Don't ever question my loyalty again. Yeah. So I only have one last question. Uh when it comes to these days and media, how do you like how do you get your information? Is it kind of through all your old resources? Like if we're reading stuff on like Twitter, how like how do we know what's really going on in the world? Yeah, and like that's a great question. So I've, I've been one of those, I think I consider myself lucky. I never fell into the social media stuff. Um, never I had understand. Facebook. Um, I, had a, I had a MySpace account. Wow. I first went to Iraq, <laughs> um, in which we didn't have great internet. So I think I have like two pictures floating around out there that you can probably find on the internet. Um, but yeah, I never got into Facebook, never got into really anything social media. And so I, um, thankfully, I, I've never relied on like Twitter or anything mm -hmm. like that for, for news. Um, when I was working at the school, um, my boss, uh, the president, read the Wall Street Journal like every day. And so, and that was one of the things, he's a pretty intense dude and like all, all, it was all work all the time. So I knew quickly, like if I want to have conversations with him, I had to know what's going on in the world. And I was always like big into like staying in tune with politics yeah. and what's going on in the world. So I started reading the Wall Street Journal every day. Um, and that was a habit I kept on. Um, at least read the opinion section and just kind of quickly browse through. I wouldn't read it cover to cover, right. but like just stay in tune with that. Um, since I've left the college and now working on I don't read the paper every day. Um, but what I do every morning um, is I actually listen to the NPR Up First podcast. It's a 15-minute. It comes out at like 5 in the morning. Um, and I listen to that for 15 minutes every single day. It kind of gives me the highlights. Um, and then I also get um, uh, the New York Times um, email blast every day. And it just kind of gives you the highlights. So I, between listening to that and reading that, I'm like, I feel like I'm up to date on like what's happening every day. And then when I can, which I don't have the opportunity very much to sit and watch TV, um, but when I'm traveling and I'm in hotels a lot, I'll, I'll, I'll turn on the early morning show or the late night show, but I actually watch the, the most liberal news station I can find just because I want to see what, like, um, again, I consider myself a pretty strong conservative, but open to, to different ideas. I just want to see, like, I want to hear their perspective. I want to try to understand their perspective. So um, I, I find myself now, I list, I watch the, uh, the morning Joe show on NBC, which is wow. as liberal as you can get. Um, I also watch, um, actually I haven't in a while, but watch the Rachel Maddow show at night. Um, again, just to get that perspective. And I know it would make your blood boil. Sure. I mean, we're going to turn you uh, off. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't record um, this. Stop recording. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, that's, so that's kind of where I get my daily updates is. Dan Bongino. Um, Dan so I mean, Bongino. I, so I, I, I grew up watching Fox news and I love Fox news and I've got some friends over there. I'm good friends with Pete Hegseth. 
Um, we've had a great lasting relationship with Fox Friends, Fox and Friends and Fox News when I was out at the college, and I still love watching that show. Um, but man, like I'm just getting fed everything that I already, some things that I already think. Um, and then also it gets a little, it can get a little, I just stop watching. out there. What, um, again, I like Sean Hannity. I like Bon, uh, John Bongino, but man, he, like, they just get on a rant yeah. and they just get so fired up. And really, I just want to kind of be told, like, I, I, I can do that for myself. Right. right I yeah. want to rant. I can talk about how oh, you know, weak the United States is and how frustrated I am. I just want to know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. So like I listen to NPR and it, there's a little bias there, but I listen to that radio show in the morning. And then I read the New York Times, which is liberal too, but I, it just it really just gives me the highlights. I don't read the opinion section. Right. I just want to know what's going on. And then I, I do want to know what the other side is saying. Because again, for I'll me, just tell you right here. This is what you do. This is what you do. Stop paying attention to it. Get a shit ton of ammo. Get a shit ton of guns. Go to My Patriot Supply. Buy yourself <laughs> some food. All right. Three months supply comes in about three days. Where's your Where's your stock at? It's, it's in the, right in the front. It just got delivered yesterday. Right. right out front. I'll show it to you. Listen, and always stay ready. That's it. Hey, I'm ready. Oh, I'm not saying oh, you're I'm, not ready. I'm, I'm not. Ready. I, I know you're always ready. But and, and then also, I've got another. I'm going to take all that, and I'm going to head south. So, like, what are your thoughts on? To there's a certain spot I'm going to head to, and we're all going to we're all going to rally there. Well, come get some. What are your thoughts? That's what I'm saying right here. Th- come fucking your, get some, boys. I got one more come, question. Come eat. No, like, come what, eat. what kind of question you got now? No, this is a good one. So, like, what are your thoughts on Zuckerberg building a big-ass fucking underground deal in uh, Hawaii right now? Have you seen that? Um, I've seen it. I mean, I don't really have much to comment on. Um, I've got friends. I need to know what's going on. Don't yeah. worry I'm about curious. I just told that, you what that, the that fuck's make, going on. I'm curious. That yeah. makes me raise my eyebrows. Go to mypatriotsupplies.com. Okay, buy yourself some food. It's good for 30 years. One. Two, walk your ass over to Shields. Go up to the second floor. Don't use the elevator. Don't I use know the escalator. You can the use the elevator. I'm doing. I know Go what I'm doing. Buy some, a shit ton of ammo and then take a gander to the right. And there's all sorts of guns. You know, we all go with you and we can pick out some fucking good ones. And then we go shoot. And become proficient in your shot. Is that good advice? I mean, there's some there's some solid key takeaways there. Um, I'm I'm never going to turn down buying ammo and, and buying guns for sure, or becoming proficient in your uh, in your craft of being a marksman. So, I'm a shooter. I'm a shooter by heart. Are you? So. Buddy. We'll have to go out to the range sometime. I mean, if I could get an invite, holy fuck! I mean, I've known Sharon for like eight years. I can't got invited one time. It's kind of bullshit. It's a very tight selection process. That's you just bullshit. Don't bring, I mean, he's got a point. You just don't bring whatever the fuck you want down there. <laughs> I thought I'd get a little bit more respect. I'll be. I'm going down Thursday. Go see the boys. Maybe we'll talk little, to some vets. Maybe do a little range PT in the morning. Gee, he couldn't do that. Oh, okay. I actually. I mean, who he, couldn't? You couldn't do a range PT. In what aspect? Why? You don't you don't shoot enough to be good with your heart rate up to begin with. And I'm not going to be stuck with you as a partner and have to hit the fucking the the sledgehammer with the <laughs> the tire just round after round because you can't clear your fucking plates. 
Man, it is an awesome. We started doing that, and uh, obviously I need to do a lot more of it. But it is an incredible way to do both, to knock out two birds, one stone, to be able to uh, to work out and get your heart rate up, but also really become proficient um, at uh, – Yeah, when shit you're, hits the you're fan, in, you got to be efficient. You're in, you're in shape. I mean, it's not, it's not a grueling no. workout. No. I understand but what you're saying. But it's something you going gotta, on on yeah, top you, of – You got to be able to act when your heart rate's – yeah. yeah, and also also remain safe too. But it's 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 fun. Yeah, I it's mean it's just a completely different way to look at like going to the range. Yeah, it's fun. You have you know you're working out, you're getting a sweat, but you're also shooting. You feel great after. Yeah, you do. That so, was the morning that I was out down there. That's what I did right after. So like, what do Brian I need to do? Like, just go to five eleven and buy some pants, and maybe I'll get the invite or what? <laughs> um, listen, I I. I there's only so many people that I. We don't have I don't to invite. fucking go down there and do it, buddy. Like you said, you got a fucking spot right here. Let's oh, go. Oh, we can do the range workout right here. I got tires, and we'll get. Well, I mean, I'm just talking like you want to go to the ranch. Like there, there's a tight. I got nothing process. to prove there. I, I just, I'm just a man. I just want to prove it to you. You know what I mean? There you go. Get the boys. I mean, I think he's got a point. If shit hits the fan, like I'm ten minutes away. You know what I mean? You like have I'm a gun. Here. I have a gun. What kind? Just a pistol. What kind like of pistol? It's my mom's old police gun. It's a Sig. Oh, nice. Like a SIG 226, you know? 9 mil? Uh, I don't fucking know, honestly. Yeah. 9 mil or 40? I don't know. Probably 9. See that? You see what I'm saying there? Yeah. Yeah, but like, I mean. Hey, but as you as his friend need to help him. Oh, I will help him. Yeah. He hasn't asked for help. And not be so degrading all the time. Oh, no. This is how we bicker. Yeah, yeah. come on, Sharon. Be nicer to me. Come yeah, on. Don't, don't be doing that. The guy needs help. I mean, I'll help him. Well, we appreciate your time. This and is I appreciate awesome. it. I feel it was like fun. we could talk for like 10 hours. Yeah, I'm sorry. I probably took way more no, time than I, than I should. My wife's have. getting her hair done, so that's, she's going to yeah. be gone all day anyway. Yeah. So, uh, You have a busy day. We do. Yep. We are in day, I guess, the first actual full day. You go right the, back at, down, right? At the vet, vet hunt. So they're out this morning. I woke up early and saw them head off to the... Uh, to um, duck blinds, to duck blinds, and hopefully they got some. some yeah, not turkey. Uh, hopefully they've got some birds down. Um, so yeah, th- this is a fun week. This is our by far out of everything we get to do. Um, like I said, we get to do a lot of rewarding stuff, but this is like our favorite week. Um, so well, we we appreciate your time. Thank you for your service. Thanks yeah. for what you're doing for uh, military now, uh, after life, and yeah, thanks for being friends with Sherm too. Yeah, thank you. And it's fine. Answer this bill.